if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers bearing crosses or stars of David. They add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. On AM 1420, The Answer. Welcome back to the Bob France Authority. Rob Wake with you this morning. Coming off a little bit, um, I got a text message from a buddy. A little bit of a rant, he said. <laughs> he tuned in to listen. All of us are on uh, group text threads with friends, acquaintances, people we've known for years. Um, me, I'm on one with uh, some friends that I've known for over 40 years. And, uh, you know, at the risk of them making fun of me all the time, because we don't agree with everything politically, I will say that, but I let them know I would be hosting the show this morning. And I just got a text from one of them that said, uh, I listened about a year ago when you hosted, and it sounds like the exact same show. You're on there complaining about COVID and rights and liberties. And he said um, to him, it's been the best year of his life because all he's had to do is go to work and go home. <laughs> and um uh, and that's his choice. The unfortunate part is others didn't have that choice. They don't have the choice to just to get to go to work and go home. They would rather choose to do something else. And just because you don't use the freedoms and the liberties you're afforded doesn't mean that those should be taken away from other people. But the most important part of that text message is that was shared uh, by my friend is the fact he was able to go to work. The most insulting thing I shouldn't say the most insulting. See, I need an edit button, Josh. One of the most insulting things during this whole process has been governments defining people as essential and non-essential. And that's how they've listed them based upon their occupation. That is so insulting. That is so wrong. You're telling people that the work they do is non-essential. You're telling people the money they make to pay their mortgage, to pay their car payment, to pay their student loan. Oh, never mind on student loans. Joe Biden's going to take care of all those. Um, To pay their electric bill. You're telling them that they're non-essential. That's ridiculous. Everyone is essential. The money they bring home, the work they do, it's essential to that person and their family. So that has been one of the most frustrating parts um, throughout all this. We're going to go back to the phone lines. We're going to go to Sam in North Ridgeville. Good morning, Sam. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? 
Okay. Yeah, I just want to make a comment that seemed kind of weird. I've been out in quite a few places, and a lot of times I run into the the Amish people or the Mennonites. I'm not sure what sect they are, you know, ones with the blue clothes and the straw hats. And anywhere they go, I never see them wearing masks. So when I was in a, not that I care, because I don't like to wear the mask either. When I was at a restaurant, I asked the person that works behind the counter about it, and she says that they don't have to wear masks, and they're not even allowed to question them about why they wear masks. To me, more power to them. But isn't that kind of uh how can you say to one group that they don't have to wear masks and other people have to wear masks? They can. I would if you don't want to wear a mask, don't wear a mask. When you read the health orders, Sam, and thank you for the phone call, great question. When you read the health orders, there are exemptions provided to not wear masks. Cattleman's restaurant in Ashland County, um, they just won a court ruling uh maybe ten days ago. A judge said that, uh-huh. that their servers and waitresses don't have to wear masks. I, I don't have it pulled up directly in front of me, but it, it's the fact there are exemptions put in place and you don't have to do it. Uh, school children, there are exemptions listed uh, from medical and, and parental. I believe parents can even opt out. Now, most school districts aren't going to honor it. Most school districts are going to fight you. Um, because they know it's going to cost you money to get an attorney to try and do this. But I have friends that everywhere they go, they don't wear a mask. I don't, I got yelled at. I, I don't wear a mask anymore. I gave blood to the Red Cross. I have the antibodies. I tested positive. All, why do I need to wear a mask? What, because you tell me yeah. to wear a mask? What other medical procedure are you going to tell people to do to take part in, uh, to function in society? They have to honor the exemptions. There's a reason, folks that the state of Ohio is over when it comes to defending themselves in court on these orders. They're over. I don't know a case that the states want. I don't know one. And on that discussion of masks, on that discussion of Dr. Fauci, we have, Josh, we have sound available for um, yesterday, Congressman Jordan and Dr. Fauci in a committee well, hearing. Here we go. Say, now is not the time to pull back on masking, physical distancing, and avoiding congregate settings. When is the time? When do Americans get their freedom back? Can you put your microphone on, please? When we get the level of infection in this country low enough that it is not a really high threat. What is low enough? Give me a number. What, I mean, I, we, we had 15 days to slow the spread, turned into one year of lost liberty. What metrics, what measures, what has to happen before yeah. Americans get my, their freedoms back? My message, uh, Congressman Jordan, is to get as many people vaccinated as quickly as we possibly can to get the level of infection in this country low that it is no longer a threat. That is when. And I believe when that happens, you will see. What determines when? I'm sorry. What? What measure? What, I mean, are, are we just going to continue this forever? Or when, does, when, does, no. when do we get to the point? What measure, what standard, what objective uh, outcome do we have to reach before, before Americans get their liberty and freedoms back? You know, you're indicating liberty and freedom. I look at it as a public health measure to prevent people from dying and going to the hospital. You don't think Americans' liberties have been threatened the last year, Dr. Fauci? They've been assaulted. Their liberties have. I don't look at this as a liberty thing, Congressman Jordan. Well, that's obvious. As a public health thing. But, but, uh, the, I disagree with you, you on that. You think the Constitution Complete. is suspended during, a, during a, a, a virus, during a pandemic? It's certainly not. This will end for sure 
when we get the level of infection very low. It is now at such a high level, there's a threat again of major surges. Dr. Fauci, Dr. Fauci, over the last year, Americans' First Amendment rights have been completely attacked. Your right to go to church, your right to assemble, your right to petition your government, freedom of the press, freedom of speech have all been assaulted. I mean, for a year now, Americans haven't been able to go to church. Even today, when they go to church, they're limited in the size of, of, of worshipers who can meet. Your right to assemble? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, there you have it. There you have it. Dr. Fauci doesn't look at this as an issue of liberty. I think that's been evident from the beginning. That's been evident from the beginning. He doesn't look at it as an issue of liberty, and and neither do many folks that are in leadership, both R's and D's. Look at Mike DeWine. Look at John Houston. It hasn't been a liberty issue for them. Look at Ezekiel Emanuel, one of the architects of Obamacare, talking about how vaccines now should be mandated for everybody. You should have no choice, no freedom, no liberty. Um, now, we, we, we did cut that clip off where before Maxine Waters, uh, that clip, I, I sent it to Josh, and it, I did cut it off before Maxine Waters tells uh, Congressman Jordan, I believe she says he needs to shut his mouth or shut your mouth uh, is the way that what she says to him. Um, it would be interesting that if he had said that to her, what the media response would have been this morning because I don't think it's gotten near the play from her saying it to him. But, um, hmm. At the sake of rambling on, I'll let that go, and you look up the clip on your own later today to find uh, Congressman Waters saying that uh, in committee uh, yesterday morning with Dr. Fauci. Um, but there, again, liberty. Where does it end? The decisions we make, the freedoms that we have, uh, and it's going to impact each and every Part of our lives. I'm going to tell a story after the break. I'm going to share a story regarding um, U Sports. And let me tell you, U Sports, and it deals with COVID, it deals with the vaccines. U Sports is a multi billion dollar a year industry. And um, I'm going to tell you how this has reached all the way there and is costing people, individual families, thousands of dollars, and it's impacting a lot of folks in Northeast Ohio. We'll get into that after the break on the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. Welcome back to the Bob France Authority, AM 1420, The Answer. Time is moving on this Friday morning. We're having a lot of fun uh, in discussions today regarding, I know we hit on the Supreme Court. We may get that in, back into that in a bit. Uh, we talked about COVID, gerrymandering, redistricting, but I wanted to share a story right now, um, and this one does hit close to home, and it deals with COVID and uh, youth sports. I have a 12-year-old son plays baseball, travel baseball, and uh, 12-year-olds, for those of you that are listening that have 
children or grandchildren youth sports, you know that's the year that uh, the big Cooperstown trip happens. There is Cooperstown Dreams Park, and that is a facility that caters to baseball, and primarily it caters to 12-year-old teams from all across the country. Teams from everywhere come for a week. They stay for a week. Uh, they have dorms there that the kids stay in the dorms. They're playing wiffle ball in the middle of the night. Many of the parents rent houses in neighboring communities. There's some lakes around there you can rent houses on. You have a ton of fun. It's not a cheap trip. It's an expensive trip uh, for the kids to stay all week on site where all their meals and everything. And um, It's something that every 12-year-old team looks forward to. I know um, our team has been talking about it for years. Uh, the parents have booked houses a year in advance. And, of course, with the chaos that was happening last year, uh, we knew that this was a possibility that it may not happen. However, I don't think any of us envisioned that it would not happen based upon the criteria that has been put out. And um, our team will not be going to Cooperstown this year. And anyone who wants to read the update that was put out from Cooperstown Dreams Park can just visit CooperstownDreamsPark.com and you will see in their 2021 opening plan what they say. And what they say is, in essence, full immunization to be there. I'm not talking just for kids. I'm talking parents and everyone. All participants, coaches, and campers, 12 years and older, must be immunized. Immunization requirements. They go on to list the immunization requirements. And COVID-19's on there. And it says that campers under 12 years age are exempt but must provide a negative test upon arrival. But those that are 12 and older... They're going to stop having these tournaments until there's a vaccine that's approved for 12-year-olds. And it says that it has to be available a minimum of 21 days prior to any registration date. And they will modify registration date by registration date until a vaccine is available for 12-year-olds and older. So they, in essence, told us, and, and I even if there was a vaccine for 12-year-olds, listen, folks, I don't think it's any secret. Um, I'm not going to get on here and say... Uh, listen, I'm anti-vaccine, this and that. I'm, I'm not a fan of vaccines, many vaccines. I will say that. I'm not anti-vaccine, but I'm not a fan of a number of them, especially when I look on there and the listing that all 12-year-olds must have a vaccine for chicken pox. I know there's a vaccine available. We all got chicken pox when we we're younger. We, we, I, I just, I just don't understand the road that we're going down and letting big pharma direct us in a lot of these areas it, it just makes me scratch my head and i'm baffled and now you're telling kids they can't play baseball at 12 years old if they're not vaccinated for chickenpox. i know some of you are listening say well they have to have those vaccinations to get into schools no there's parental opt-out you you don't have to have all the vaccines you can opt out they're going to bully you to get them but you can opt out but now they're saying we can't play baseball if you're 12 oh and by the way parents you want to watch your 12 year old play baseball you have to be va- have the vaccination as well. You have to take it. Oh, siblings want to come? They have to have it as well. Oh, aunts and uncles? Nope, everyone's got to be vaccinated or you're not coming on the property. That's what they put out there. Now, that's in the state of New York. That's the Excelsior Pass that you've heard about. You've heard Bob talk about and others. We dive into it on the public square a few weeks ago. This is a, Read it for yourself, cooperstowndreamspark.com. You can see that that's what they're saying. 
They're, so in essence, medical decisions for your family are going to be dictated by youth sports. I mean, th- this is craziness to me. Craziness. Go back and look. There's an article from 1987. Just to show you how far back I believe it was 87. Now I'm going to have to double check because I'm going off the top of my head. And in today's day and age, you can't make things up because everyone has access to Google and they're going to look it up as soon as I get done saying it. And then they're going to email and text me and tell me how wrong I am. So I'm going to speak in generalities. But 1987, there was a committee hearing on Capitol Hill in regards to the AIDS epidemic. Let's just say it was the 80s. Dr. Fauci was there testifying. He was there testifying with someone from Big Pharma. We're talking about AIDS. In the 80s, AIDS was a big, I understand it was a scary thing, even though we understood the way that you could contract AIDS. Um, We know that. Unprotected sex, sharing needles. There are a number of ways you could um, contract AIDS. The highest percentage of people that were getting that were those that used drugs and shared dirty needles with each other and um, homosexual activity. That was who was catching AIDS. However, during this committee hearing, there was testimony that it was growing rampant and spreading like wild in African nations in the heterosexual community. So there was a lot of panic. And the testimony that took place from Big Pharma talked about how when they develop an AIDS vaccine, and again, this is the late 80s, when they develop an AIDS vaccine, that it should be compulsory, that it should be mandated, that everyone should take it. Why should everyone take it if you're not at risk of getting it? And when it comes to the COVID vaccine, if you've already had COVID, they've proved that your T cells are working hard and going to fight the other variants. So why do you need it? And are we going to continue to let government and private business dictate where we are allowed to go and what we are allowed to do because that's what's taking place and happening. Are they going to make all... It's amazing to me. The people on the left are always screaming about get get lawmakers out of my doctor's office. Get them out of my doctor's office. We don't want them here. Well, what about now? Why aren't you fighting for the medical freedom of people that don't want lawmakers in their doctor's office? Dave Zanotti, CEO of the American Policy Roundtable, a.k.a. my boss, came up with a line years ago. I use it all the time, giving him credit for the line. When the government controls your health care, the government controls your life. They control your life. Are we going to allow them to do that? They're doing that in other states. After the break, we're going to have on with us State Representative Al Catrona that is proposing legislation regarding vaccine passports and not allowing them in the state of Ohio. So that's not a prerequisite to be able to function in society. You're listening to AM 1420, The Answer. Welcome back to the Bob France Authority. AM 1420, the answer during the break. I pulled up the quote that was used in 1987 from David Martin, 
Vice President of Research for Genentech, a San Francisco biotech company. Um, he says vaccination, he's talking about the AIDS vaccine, which wasn't even available at the time. Vaccination of the general population at the earliest possible date is essential to prevent anything remotely similar to the widespread heterosexual epidemic now in progress in several African nations. You can look that up. It's a New York Times article, January 16th, 1987. Um, He's talking about compulsory vaccination. It's all in there. They've been talking about it since the 80s, and they've been talking about it in that instance for an AIDS vaccine. And what were they telling you then? Because of widespread heterosexual epidemic happening in African nations. That's what they were saying. And they still don't have an AIDS vaccine. And the question is, if they would have had one, would we have all been better off to take it? Or would we have better been better off to live our lives? When we start turning it over to big pharma and big tech and lawmakers to make our medical decisions for each and every one of us, personally, I think we're making a mistake. All that to be a lead-in to our next guest on the program. Representative Al Catrona is joining us. Representative Catrona is proposing legislation that deals with the uh, vaccine passport issue. Good morning, Representative Catrona. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me on the show. No problem. Thanks for being here. Um, You and I, in full disclosure, had a chance to sit down together last week. We discussed policy. We discussed a lot of legislation issues. And one of the things you brought to the table was the fact of legislation you were working on. The thing I liked about it is it was um, short and sweet, <laughs> and uh, it deals with vaccine passports or the need for them to function in society. So give us a little background on your thinking and drafting the legislation and what it says. Absolutely, and sometimes the uh, the shortest bills sometimes can be the most effective bills. And what I was basically looking to do is work for the first time proactively as a legislator and address major concerns that I have with what's going on in New York. And Ohio is not New York. And what New York is basically doing is taking personal information uh, in your for healthcare personal information, linking that with government IDs, such as your Social Security number, and then mixing that together with big tech. And what's happening at that point is big tech plans on selling off. They're not even hiding it anymore. They said, we're going to go ahead and sell off that information. And what it's doing is leaving people completely susceptible to an immense amount of potential fraud or uh, hacking into these apps that they're going to be using. And when you start having the government involvement, and so you have big government, big tech, you're going to have big problems. And I want to make sure that we protect Ohioans from that type of activity. And I wanted to make sure that we reined in the government and we reined in big tech. And that's basically what this bill does. What's been the response from your colleagues in Columbus regarding the legislation? Everybody has been overwhelmingly thrilled about it. On uh, my side of the aisle, they have, um, I've, I've got probably 15 or 20 co-sponsors uh, on my bill right now. Um, as soon as I uh, spoke about introducing this piece of legislation, my uh, email box was just flooded with so much support, not just in my district, which I'm in the Youngstown area, but across the state. And every corner of the state, everybody uh, was saying, I appreciate what you're doing. Uh, we need something like this. So it's met with overwhelming amount of support. Well, it, the thing for me as I've uh, watched this develop over the past 14 months that has been a bit frustrating is the fact that 
this should have bipartisan support. And the thing about it is, is I've seen the left and Democrats, and again, I'm, I'm coming at this from an independent perspective, but I, the, the left and the Democrats have been in agreement with decisions that have been made, whether it's through 370113 and a health director or something the governor's done, but they've been in agreement not with one person having authority. They've been in agreement with the rules that have been put in place. The interesting thing to me is if they would have disagreed with the rules, they would be the ones leading the charge as well and saying we need to revamp some of this. So I, I just find I, I think it's a bit hypocritical that everyone's not on the same page and I can't believe there aren't colleagues across the aisle that are saying, yeah, we want to join in this too, because it scares me to think what could be next. You know what? Uh, you're absolutely right. This has gotten such a polarized uh, on, on the spectrum of, you know, this is this a Republican thing. Is this a Democrat thing? No, this is an American thing. This is an Ohio thing. This is a constitutional thing. This is at the, at the, at the nuts and bolts of it, it has nothing to do with really COVID-19 in my mind, what it has everything to do with with privacy. So, you know, I'm reaching across the aisle and just trying to explain, listen, this, 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 this bill is not talking about vaccines, whether you should get it or not get it. You know, that's, that's something that's, uh, you know, should be up to the, uh, the individual, but that's not what this bill is doing. What this bill is essentially doing is protecting people's personal information. That's all it is. Because big tech companies are, are going to basically sell off people's data they, and their information. They should be scared about that. They should be absolutely scared by the fact that these apps that they're going to um, potentially force people to use are not secure. We are talking about national security issues. We are talking about personal information that can be used to uh, create an immense amount of fraud. Um, it, it goes on and on and on. And so I'm trying to get the message across that this is not a Republican issue, this is not a Democrat issue, this is an Ohio issue, you know, this is an American concern, and this is something that has nothing to do with, with vaccine, no vaccine, this has to do with privacy, this has to, be to do with protecting information, and so I think once I get that message across, I'm, I'm hoping that I get people on the other side of the aisle to, to really see uh, through the weeds of it all that this is really nothing more than big tech trying to get into uh, uh, into our lives even further and then, you know, kind of creating this, this uh, situation where they're going to um, really kind of control <laughs> the way. Uh, and they're using this pandemic really as a, a vehicle to help their businesses through data. Well, yeah, and we know what big tech does. We don't have to look. I mean... James O'Keefe, Project Veritas, everything that's happened in the past 24 hours with that. I wish we had a five-hour show today because I think we could spend an additional three hours talking just about that. But while I have you on the line, let, let, let's talk about that for a minute in, in terms of this legislation. Now, the process, and, and this is where I think, and I encourage for citizens to be involved in the process. It's going to go, it's going to be assigned a committee, which has, it's going to go through the hearing process. Um, talk to us from a state rep's perspective of how encouraging it is to see Ohioans come participate in the process and testify on bills, to be engaged in legislation and what that does for other lawmakers when they see, you know, listen, you guys see people show up and give testimony that are paid to show up and give testimony. That doesn't really move the needle as much as when Ohio citizens, hardworking taxpayers, people that had to take a day off work to drive to Columbus to talk to their elected officials. Now that moves the needle. Am I correct? 
You're absolutely correct because, you know, what? at the end of the day, it's the voice of the people. You know, I was placed in this position, elected for one purpose, and that's to listen to my constituents and to advocate for them. And so when we hear constituents come down and they voice their concern, whether they're, you know, during the committee process or whether it's through emails or through, you know, reaching out to a legislator in some form or capacity like that, we listen. You know, that's our job is to listen. So every time I introduce a bill, it's because I'm listening to what is needed here in the state or needed in my district, and, and I'm voicing that. And so when you come into committee or you submit written testimony, you know, we actually, believe it or not, we actually take that with uh, not just a grain of salt. We take that with this is what our people, the people that put us in this position, want. And so um, to me, I think that is an important factor, and I think it's important for people to realize that. Well, no, I, I, I agree with you, and I'm someone who's down, and I walk those halls often, but it always amazes me, the impact. And, and there's something about seeing the men and women of this state rally together and having access to their lawmakers, being able to do this. And I think on these issues that you talk about with big tech and vaccine passports, I, I think you're going to see more and more from all corners of the state show up and let their elected officials know that they want that medical freedom. They want to have freedom of their data. They want to know that Ohio is still standing for freedom because the leadership in the state, unfortunately, has has had a lot of people waver and ask a lot of questions. So there's no doubt when this legislation has those hearings that you're going to hear from Ohioans and um, appreciate your willingness to, to introduce it because I know, as you and I discussed, and I'll let you share about this, the fact of uh, when it comes to vaccine passports or when it comes to people having needing permission from the government or private business on their medical decisions to enter an establishment or to uh, participate in society or the economy, that's a concern that a lot of folks have. You know, it is, and, and, and it's important for people to realize this. This is probably the most important message I should get across is that this whole concept of a vaccine passport is is it's not just a theory. It's not just, uh, you know, it, it, it's an actual technology, all right? And I think a lot of people um, sometimes kind of forget about that. It's not a concept. It's an actual technology. And so we need to make sure that this type of technology where, where you have these third third parties that are selling off this information for, for personal gain and we're, uh, you know, that we, we are actually, you know, essentially preventing that type of activity from happening. And so um, you're absolutely right, and I think that um, you know too many, too much. Uh, the, you know, we see this you know big government that thinks they know what's best for us. At the end of the day, when you talk about you know, especially with healthcare, you know, as, as somebody who runs a medical practice, you know, I understand the importance of healthcare privacy. And so, and I also appreciate the relationship that a patient and a physician have. And so, those that that um, what goes on behind those uh, behind the door between a doctor and his physician is between the two of them. And it should not it should not be um, you know uh, intercepted and, and utilized by uh, you know all these other uh, groups that you've mentioned. Right. Well, we appreciate your work. I know um, Bob will have you. Uh, back on when he's back on the airwaves in the coming weeks to talk about that legislation you've introduced as well as other pending. What House bill? It is House bill. Which number? Two. I had it in front of me. 253. Yeah, 253. House bill 253. I'm sure you and your colleagues are going to be hearing from Ohioans in the very new future. Thank you, Representative Katrona, for the work you're doing. We'll talk soon. 
All right. Thank you for having me on the show. Josh, we've got one segment left. We're about to have that final countdown. You're listening to the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Last segment, final countdown on the Bob France Authority, AM 1420. The answer, Josh, I've had a blast today on this free-for-all Friday uh, with you, with Marcy. Appreciate the opportunity to sit in. We're going to do our best in this last segment to to get through uh, callers that have called in. So 216-901-0945. We're going to go to Bob in Medina. Good morning, Bob. Yeah, hey, good morning, Rob. How are you doing? Doing well. Good, good. Uh, I'll run this through this real quick, but I think that uh, my personal opinion that there is really a lot of nefarious uh, things happening, you know, with the radical left. And uh, it, it really begins after Biden was elected and they, you know, you know what the elections were about and all the way to the Georgia Senate elections. I mean, this thing was like really, you know, questionable all right so then you have the january 6th you know uh situation that happened yes. they got all the uh the walls built the whole capital you know just walled off you know of course the borders are left open and all that we all know that okay then from there then the radical left started i mean with their executive orders i mean you know it started before january 6th but they you know Boom, border, guns, Supreme Court. And what I'm thinking, and I'm really concerned about it, is they're just going to go, I mean, move right along, and then just the heck with the people, but yet protect themselves in, you know, uh, in case of, uh, you know, civil discourse. Well, they're... So I'd like... Yeah. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I, I, no, that's just, you know, I think that this is all laid out by the radical left, and I'd like your comments on that, Rob. Well, well, no, thank you for the phone call. I think everyone uh, required reading should be rule, Rules for Radicals, Saul Alinsky. I think everyone should um, read that and see. I mean, you, if you can have the other side, if you will, I mean, if you want to divide it into sides, I mean, you should understand the playbook and how they're operating out of And I think the left right now, you're looking, you know, they have control of the House, they have control of the White House, they have the tiebreaker in the United States Senate. They're going to do everything that they can to um, push an agenda as far left as possible. And again, let's take it back to when we were kids. I mean, if I wanted the the left is going to go to the extreme and know if they get close to it, then they're going to be happy. When I wanted to stay out as a teenager to two a.m., I didn't go to my parents. Well, I wanted to stay out till midnight. Let me rephrase. All right, everyone's going to think my parents let me stay out all night. We may have snuck out, but I didn't ask to stay out all night. If I wanted to stay out till midnight, I didn't ask, can I stay out till midnight? I asked, can I stay out till 2.30? And they're no. Well, then we'll negotiate down from there. You take it to the most extreme position you can take it, and then you negotiate from there. And, um, you know, someone wrote a book, The Art of the Deal. You've heard of that. I mean, people talk about making deals and how they're made. I think the left is taking a page out of that playbook and trying to do everything they can to get it extreme. And then they'll negotiate from there and see what happens. Rachel, first-time caller, welcome to the program. Good morning. 
We must have had a little bit of a connection issue on that one. Sorry about that. Um, Jim in West Park. Good morning, Jim. Thank you for taking my call. You had mentioned governmental terror. And um, this Brian Jenkins, he, he's, he's the expert on terror. He's a governmental operative, and he explained that terrorism is aimed at the people watching and not the actual victims. Terrorism is theater. He believed that one objective of terrorism was to enforce obedience and cooperation. This is the normal objective of state or official terrorism, and that success demands the creation an atmosphere of fear and seeming omnipresence of the internal security apparatus. Thank you for taking my call. Thanks for calling, Jim. Um, fear is something that has been on the minds and in the forefront of people from the beginning, and that's what um, a lot of our elected officials have instituted. They put the fear in folks. Um, you know, I like to go back to the scriptures and think we, we are not given a spirit of fear. We're not given that from from God. Um, we're not to have that spirit of fear. And we need to reflect on that, and we need to understand that. And when we feel like we're having that anxiety or that fear, we need to take a deeper look and say, where is that coming from? Um, one of the things, I mean, let's look back to Dr. Fauci from the beginning, and, and he recognized that anxiety would be a be an issue and when he talked about masks in the beginning one of the things he said was you know masks may help with anxiety that's what they're going to help with because they give people that that sense and the masks have um turned into political theater and the reason i say that is because they've turned into it in regards to whether you've been vaccinated you still have to wear it whether you've had the virus and you have the antibodies, you still have to wear it. Everyone's going to have to follow the same rules. And that's what Congressman Jordan and others have said to Dr. Fauci. How can you expect people to want to get the vaccine if there's no, I mean, what what's going to change? What will they be permitted to do? Will they be able to function? Will they be permitted? And the laughable part for me, and I've flown plenty of times in the past 14 months, okay? But I walk into a restaurant and I can't be seated um, close to someone. (laughs) But yet, I just got off um, an oblong tube and was 35,000 feet in the air with 260 strangers sitting shoulder to shoulder. I mean, it, it, it makes no sense. It makes no sense, and that's why Congressman Jordan and others have called it political theater. There was a state rep from Pennsylvania that was getting ready to speak, caught on a hot mic, and nowadays, listen, every mic is hot, every camera is live. I mean, um, I could show you a neighborhood video from people's front porches, rings, and doorbells that people would be embarrassed and mortified that they knew that was out there. So just always pretend the mic's hot and the camera's live. Just that That's a good... Good rule to live by. Um, but the state rep from Pennsylvania that was caught on a hot mic when someone told her a speaker said that they were going to take their mask off, I believe it was the governor, said he was going to take his mask off when he spoke. And she's like, oh, this is just political theater. That's why she was leaving hers on.
for 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 political theater. So um, anyway, uh, we have about a minute left. We're going to go to Tom in Medina. Good morning, Tom. Good morning. I just wondered, are you confident that our, let's say in the state of Ohio, how many points did, did uh, 45 win Ohio by? Do you know? In the presidential? Eight or nine, I think. Okay, see, I've heard somebody said, they, they, he said, they said, they think they hacked Ohio, too. He really won by 15, meaning they're hacking every state. So how do we solve that problem? Well, uh, yeah, I, <laughs> that raises a I lot mean, of points. In, in the last 45 seconds, I'm not sure we're going to get that problem solved. Um, there does need to be election integrity. We need to follow the laws that are already on the books. We need to be involved. What about the machines? We need to be involved in the process. We need to talk about the machines. We need to say, do we need to go back to paper and pencil? We need to say, hey, you know, how, how does it lo- look? Um, what does it look like? Again, we've got about 20 seconds left. I'm not sure I'm going to get that problem solved. But we do have laws on the books that need to be followed. I think Ohio did a great job in this last election, with the exception of the governor illegal canceling election. So, Honor to sit in for Bob today. So good to be here with all of you. Rob Walgate from the American Policy Roundtable. Remember, be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil by doing good. Enjoy the silence.